basic piece of paper. You know, this is something I would have to turn in weekly on my dials. It had to be a minute. It had to be a minimum of 40 conversations had, right? So that's how the tracking system uh, per week, 40 minimum conversations branded. So that's like about 100, 120 dollars. I'd only put the people that I would talk to on this list with the outcome of the call, just so that my team leader could see that I was making the dials. Of course, that's evolved. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Awesome. I have Susana on, and I am so excited because she has done what many people want to do and, and has allowed the team leaders to do what they've wanted to do, which is this goal of going from a agent to a producing agent to all the way up to team leader and national team coach. I mean, this is like quite the transformation. This happened, I think, what, in the course of a decade or so? 10 years in July. 10 wow. years in July. So this is what I'm super excited about. So I want to take us through this journey and like show people how it happened, what skills you needed to build, process, et cetera, get not only your insight on it, but also like the other side, right? So to talk about what would probably be like from their side as well, but take us into this. Sure. Like, what was it like sure. for you at the very beginning of your real estate journey? Well, I mean, Matt, if you had told me that I would have been into sales, making prospecting dials, hell, like even a realtor with my name attached to it, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. I mean, my parents wanted me to be a vet. I, of course, went to school and got a government and um, Mexican-American studies degree. Like I was all in about helping people with the good fight, whether it's American Cancer Society or one of those organizations. And fortunately for me, I was at a gala one night and uh, Bradley Pounds, who is currently the president there at Waters International, which you have his book right behind mm -hmm. you. Um, he approached me as a good friend of mine and he's like, Susana, I want you to quit your job and I want you to come work for us here at Waters. And I'm like, well, who the hell is Waters? At that point, this is 2013, 2013, no name recognition. But, you know, I think a lot of the times what happens for a lot of us is if we really, really think in terms of like legacy and our life journey and hitting ceilings, you know, there was something very much intriguing and scary, right? About going full on 1099, you know, like, like ripping the bandaid, going from W2 with very, very little benefits, you know, and then literally going and taking the plunge and eating, you know, becoming a hunter, not a gatherer. And, um, so yeah, I got licensed. I joined Waters International Realty. I focused on anything fundamentals, like making dials, overcoming objections, getting that face-to-face, -face, you know, face-to-face -face appointments, helping people uh, trust me, and then boom, putting them under contract. And in my first year, I uh, was able to help 45 families, which was close to $12 million sold my first year out in real estate. And I didn't know at the time that that was kind of a big deal. I, I heard after the fact that that was kind of a big deal. But all I was doing, Matt, was making a friend, being relatable, discovering what their needs and wants are, and helping them, you know, carve the path of homeownership. And, you know, for a couple of years, I was able to real in tuned, you know, help buyers and sellers within our model. Well, what's so great about our model is it doesn't necessarily have to stop there. Like the way we are set up is that there's ways to grow within your career. So then unbeknownst to me, 
You know, I'm just hitting the pavement, making things happen every day. And agents were definitely following my lead, you know, starting to, to ask lots of questions. And so it wasn't maybe within two, three years where I got a tap on my shoulder and just say, hey, Susana, why don't you start taking over that specific training module? <laughs> and then from there, you know, I inherited a pot of agents. And then from there, we were now hitting, I would say, anywhere between 300 to 500 transactions as a team. Um, and this was 2015, 2016 there in Austin, Texas. And so both Chris and Brad decided uh, to take a pause and go write the million, million, million stare, you know, real estate book. Mm -hmm. And so from there, they, they put me in charge of being the director of sales for, for the brokerage. And man, I had no idea what a ride four years in that role would have done for me. I mean, you know, you, it's the same thing of kind of like being a leader in real estate is almost like being a, an agent just in the transaction, right? There's all these learning curves you have to do. You have to detach from the outcome. You have, you learn the hard way. You can't want something more for someone if they don't want it from themselves. You have to have your first, you know, firings, your first, like, hard conversations, like all of these first conversations that then shape you into what your legacy is as a leader. And from there, I mean, it was just one of those beautiful things that, you know, within four years, I, I was helping, helping run the office. And as of 2020, again, the way our model set up, I was able to just kind of transition into now a national sales and leadership coach role that not only is it for our Austin headquarters office, it's for all of our other uh, partnered offices in the country and one in Canada. So how much do you think your success was a result of the model of the leadership that you had, your own personal actions and mindset? Like what was the recipe or the formula that created it? I would have to say it was 75% based on the model. The model definitely has uh, some trajectory to it. I mean, people can stay agents, top producing agents. That's not a problem. But if you want more, the way it goes is, yeah, you 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 prove yourself, you move up, you know, and that's the beauty of it. So 75% based on the model on success. I think another 25% on me channeling my inner Buffy, the vampire slayer and Jocko Willick and really <laughs> recognizing that, you know, if you want something, this is a beautiful opportunity. It's not going to come around again in this fashion. Yeah. And if I wouldn't, if I didn't take it, then when was it ever going to come? So that would be yeah. the other 25% of it. So let's talk about the model. Like if you could break okay. on and break down the model for me real quick. Sure. So the model is you start off as a buyer agent and you cut your teeth on leads, leads that are given to you. And Matt, these are leads anywhere that are 1% converting leads to sign calls, to open houses, uh, you know, all different variations of leads. So you cut yourself, you know, cut your teeth in on being able to establish yourself as an expert. So, I mean, we can only coach agents up to a certain amount, but agents also have to be resourceful enough to also go and start learning about condos and residential and farm and ranch and unimproved land, right? Like we can, we can provide the infrastructure, but the, the entrance into the brokerage is always to the buy side. 
After you hit so many transactions, then at that point, then you are able to cross train into our listing side. You, I mean, you're probably aware that listing Mm -hmm. side is a little bit different. It's a whole Mm -hmm. different type of avatar of sellers, especially right now. I mean, withdrawn, expired, like all those types of things. And so from there, then you can transition into the listing side. There's a test out uh, scenario that happens there in order to stay on the listing side. If not, you can go back to the buy side. Like it's all about what makes you, the agent, successful and happy. And then from uh, the listing side, you know, from there, it's a matter of you start to start to like develop yourself in a way that you become an expert on that specific thing. And so then from there, there's avenues to become a buyer agent team leader, a listing agent team leader. And then from there, then goes into the market leader uh, role, you know, and then from there now, because of our platform, now we're going into even, uh, you know, other different types of roles uh, within the organization. And they, Bradley and Chris, like early on in the game, I mean, they got really good at lead generation and we got really good at people basically either assisting or paying for a lot of their lead generation, right? I mean, they were able to do like a million dollars or so of spend but it really wasn't their spend. Right. Brand ambassadors. Yeah. Meaning you, you partner with people. And as a result, they had a constant stream of business coming in at all times, which fed that Absolutely. lower level. How, Absolutely. how important is the lead flow to the model being successful? It's a very, very important. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I will tell you, Matt, Mike, my, my first year, I made 13,000 dials. 13,000 dials, you know? That's, that's, quite, like, that's quite a few, yeah. But the, the thing is, is that you have to take a massive amount of action. Like if, if the platform is, we're already going to lead generate for you. We're going to take off all these other different kinds of things and stress levels. All we need you to do is show up, give it hell, and, and, and make the dials, you know, prospect, objection handle, become an expert show value to the consumer. That's all that's needed from you. I mean, there, there's really not much of an excuse not to win in that. Yeah. So let's talk about like the environment. Like, I mean, if you got leads coming in and you're and basically the job is to, to give world-class, you know, sales and service, like, is this like a Wolf of Wall Street type of environment where they're practicing scripts or like, what's, what's the environment like to get a buyer agent to the right level? Well, I would tell you, like in the time when I was in the Austin office, the environment is very much like that. There's a gong, like there's a gong, you set an appointment, you hit the gong. There's, you know, music, sometimes country or rap depends on who's set the most appointments that has, you know, the, 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 there's music videos going on. It's high energy. It's all fun. I mean, why go to a place that's not fun? It has to be fun. I mean, who wants to make dials three, four, five hours in a day? Like it, it. That's not intended to be fun, but you can make it fun depending on the type of culture. So, I mean, culture became just a culture of just being completely driven and completely relentless. Amazing. And so obviously that becomes part of your hiring DNA over time. A lot of times I think team leaders struggle to create that culture from the beginning. So what, I mean, given that you've been with them for 10 years and it sounds like the vast majority of the journey, what do you think they did right to be able to establish that tone and that culture from the beginning? I think what they did right, Matt, from my perspective, is that they want people to stay authentically true to who they are. Like my disc profile, when I first started, 
you would have looked at her and probably said, no, this girl isn't going to cut it as a sales agent. Right. Yeah. But they overlooked it because of my will. Like I had, I had a big why. Yeah. So I think that's something that even though I know a lot of different brokerages are predicated on like, Oh, this is the avatar. This is what you need. No. If I think what they got right, it's about the right who. Yeah. If you are the right who with the, with your own personal why world's your oyster. Yeah. Yeah. And basically you find out fairly quick first month or two, if, the, if, oh, if, yeah. if everything that they said aligns with what's real. Well, the second day, if you're not able to make calls done by, by the third day or fourth day, this isn't a fit for you. Like you mm -hmm. have to be able to just completely let down your guard and trust, have blind faith in the fact that with all these other people in front of you that have been successful, I mean, there's definitely you know, pictures on the wall of individuals that have gone before you that have, have, have done the model and have done it right. There's no excuse. Early on in the early days, what were the tracking systems like? Uh, funny you should ask. I literally just pulled this out for an agent um, earlier this week that I was, see this little basic piece of paper? Uh-huh. You know, this is something I would have to turn in weekly on my dials. It had to be a min it had to be a minimum of forty conversations had, right? So per that's day. how the track per week? system yeah, uh, per week. Forty yeah. minimum conversations brand new. So that's like about a hundred, hundred and twenty dials. I'd only put the people that I would talk to on this list with the outcome of the call, just so that my team leader could see that I was making the dials. Of course, that's evolved. Now Luckily, we have a platform called Sisu, which are you familiar with? I mean, we were one of the very beginning brokerages that was able to integrate with that. And that was an absolute game changer. Mm. I mean, it gamifies uh, KPIs and metrics, right? And there's no way for you not to know exactly where you are, where you've been and where you're going. So Sisu mm. now is a game changer. But yeah, KPIs was basically sheets like this. I mean... It's, it was all paper. It was all paper back in 2013, 2014. Spreadsheets. So <laughs> you, you came in in the primitive days. Uh, yeah. What, what was it that, I mean, obviously you got leads coming in, which is a very big value proposition to mm -hmm. agents, but what made you believe so much in Brad and Chris? What made me believe so much in Brad and Chris is the fact that they believed in me and mm. I felt it and I knew it mm. like 100% like Chris Waters. He just wants the best for people. He's, he's a very shy person, believe it or not. But like when you meet him, it's like he authentically wants agents to be successful. And mm. then you throw in Bradley into that. Like Bradley's like a servant's heart. Like, you throw like you just when you're around them, it's hard not to want to give your absolute best because they're just such good people, such yeah. good people. So you got they got a great model. They built tremendous relationships with brought proper lead flow into the business. And this is one of the things that I've been able to observe over the last few years is that the teams that really grow as teams have great lead flow. And many of them have lead flow that does not cost the team leader. Right. The team leader. Right forge the right relationships with either the right tech companies or the right companies that fuel the lead. And so it's not like there doesn't seem to be that financial struggle of the team leader of like, you better convert. Otherwise I'm losing money, right. um, which creates the right foundation. Now you obviously have to take a lot of actions to become very skilled at conversion. You've moved up the ladder. What 
like what was changing in you, your mindset, your actions to, I mean, you literally had to go buyer's agents, very different than listing agent, different than manager. Mm -hmm. How were you personally scaling up? How I personally was scaling up is that I became a student of real estate. <laughs> I, if you look behind me, like I knew that this was not just a job for me. This was going to be my life. This was going to be my profession. I was going to make damn sure that I was going to make it who I was. And so I became a student, not only of real estate, but I also became a student of, of just people of mindset and of leadership. And uh, there was one year, even in my first year of just being in leadership, I read 52 books in 52 weeks, just about leadership and mindset. Why? We don't have time to go back into school. Like we're already in the middle of it. So it's about, you have to do what you need to do in order to help not only benefit yourself, but benefit others. Because yeah. at that point, the torch had already gotten passed to me and I was going to be just like Chris and Brad. I was also going to be one that was going to play it forward to the other individuals and other agents that were starting to join our brokerage. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Love it. So you're leveling up, obviously, through reading, through action. What were the limiting beliefs that you encountered? Like, was it nerves on the phone? Like, what were the things that were like, uh, Susanna, like, no. And then you had to, like, kick it or overcome it. Call aversion. And it's funny that I even have to say that word sales call aversion because that's what I'm noticing of agents right now in this completely, in this, in this, in this new climate that we have because of the objections of interest rate and things like that. For me, I had to get myself out of my own head and not procrastinating and just taking action because mm -hmm. it's like that not making the dials. That's what makes you money. So I had to figure out really quickly on just learning to get comfortable with being uncomfortable on the phones, not caring on the hangups, not caring about the FUs, not caring about like they can't see you until they see you. Right. And, and finally just making sense of that, the fact that I had to, I, they were giving me the opportunity, AKA the leads. It was my job to take a massive amount of action. And so when I finally started to kind of put that all together and it took a couple of months, I mean, when you start to finally put that all together and trust that it is, you are in fact going to be successful. You had to, you had to like 
believe in yourself, right? A lot of us sometimes even later in life, you know, depending on other fields and other environments, you may, I had to relearn all those different kinds of things. It's just that, that relief, that, that rebelief in myself that I just completely changed careers. I have all of this talk behind me of why I could fail. I had to tune all that shit out and I just had to go all in on myself. Totally. How did they manage you early on? Like, I know you have the sheet of paper you had to turn in, but what did the meetings look like? So we would have about two to three meetings a week. One was all about phone skills. The next one was all about um, how to show value, you know, specifically on just specific areas, you know, being able to give you just insight and information about those areas so that you could intelligently talk on the phone, right? And then there would be another one on contracts. And with those, we now know we we now know those in our within our brokerage as the three pillars. You got inside sales, you got outside sales, and then you got market contract expert. So, and that has have forever been the part of our foundation of our coaching and our training to our agents. It's about leveling out and making sure that all three of those layers are equally put into the agent so that they can be successful from step one to step three. Let's talk about lead ownership. When, when an agent does a deal, does it become theirs or is it always the company's? Once an agent gets someone under buyer representation agreement in our office, it becomes theirs. And once they, of course, it goes, that, that starts like the first point of contact that it, that they need to start owning it. And then after that, of course, once they put put that consumer under contract and then have a closing, that becomes their sphere, like, like realistically saying. When agents are not following up with their leads, are not taking care of their leads, again, that goes back into our pond that that can kind of become open for anybody else's um, opportunity to work. Are you a company that runs sphere percentages different than company lead uh, transactions as far as compensation? Well, our splits, you mean? Like what our splits Mm -hmm. are? Yes. We're probably much different than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the value that's being provided. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, so you, you rise the ranks, you're managing teams and then now all of a sudden you're at national, like what does, what does that really look like day to day being a national sales leader? Day to day, what that looks like is uh, conducting probably anywhere from five to seven coaching calls a week to like buyer agents, listing agents, team leaders, sales managers, to coordinators, to team owners offsite one-on-ones of agents that are reaching out that need help offsite one-on-ones with just leadership that needs help um, building out you know core curriculum there's two upcoming things that we have we have never ever offered our agent training um, out there and that's that's actually something i'll be chatting with you at the very end of this like at the very probably in about a month a month and a half we're finally going to allow agents to enroll into some of our training that we're about to do so you know, that, that's day-to-day what it looks like for me is just being available. Sometimes I have to go out to the other offices to spend two or three days uh, in that environment and just kind of checking out where everybody is and giving them an, you know, giving them an injection of energy and, and getting them excited to be, you know, with the brokers that we're with and, you know, with the opportunity that we have. So pretty much, you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a good ride for right now. It's a good ride. So one of the things you mentioned early on was that the thing that you love most about this company is the opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you're now at a national sales leader level. Like, do you see other levels above this or have you reached the pinnacle? That's the thing. There's never, there's not, there's not, it's still TBD. Like there's other things currently in, in talking with both Chris and Brad, there's the next layer. Like, what does that look like? I mean, I'm currently working on a script book that's going to be out called the give it, you know, scripts that give it help. Like I'm, (laughs) there's all these other things kind of in the, in the behind the scenes that are getting ready to happen that would have never happened. So I honestly, I have blind blind faith in my, in my two team owners Mm -hmm. and they know what my passion is. They know where my strengths are and I'm, I'm all in. So wherever they want me to go, tell me how high I'm going to jump. Like it's just that kind of a thing. Incredible. So obviously I'm sure income has evolved a fair bit since your first year dialing 13,000 dials. Like when you, when we think about income and this is a very personal question, so you do not have to answer this. Like as your income increases, what, what's happening is lifestyle increasing is investing increasing. Like what are you doing with the additional income and wealth that you're building? Sure. So that is a very good question. Like I will tell you, like from the very beginning, first year to where I am now, I've never knock on wood have ever made less than six figures within the model of our brokerage. And, and I attribute that a, to the model, then also the hard work that gets put into it. Um, I mean, you become self-sufficient, you become financially free. Uh, there's things that had I stayed in the other environment that I was in prior to this, this transformation of this role. I mean, I wouldn't own my own house. I wouldn't, you know, be able to take help, take care of different family members or, or be the go-to or, you know, just be completely financially free and only need to depend on myself. I don't have, I don't have to ask anybody for help. I just have myself and my, of course, my wife, you know, like we don't need anybody's help, but, and that's kind of a, it's a good feeling to have. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? That's what the Freedom Chasers podcast is named after, right? Is this a pursuit Mm -hmm. of freedom? And so you feel totally free in the work that you do now. 1000%. There's probably not a moment, Matt, in the entire journey that I haven't felt free. It was scary. I mean, there's times of, (laughs) what's going on? But, you know, it's been just this amazing ride. Yeah. Amazing ride. What's so interesting to me is you were a buyer's agent, you were a listing mm-hmm. agent, you were a sales manager, you're a national sales trainer and coach. I mean, these are vastly different skill sets and oftentimes recruit very different styles of personality. Thank and yet you're saying you felt free the entire way. So are you a unicorn or is it something where the system allows, is a system like like a personality agnostic, so to speak, like what's happening here that you could shift because it's very hard for a lot of team leaders to get their people to, to rise the ranks like this and, and also feel good about every level of the position. I know that I'm not a unicorn because there's other individuals in my team that have also risen in the ranks and are in different types of layers and roles. So what I think it is, is the fact that it, that the environment upon which you show up, you give it your all you, you re- reap the benefits of everything that you're doing. And from there, you don't quit. And, and, and there's the journey, like there's benchmarks, like I could have stayed just a producing agent and it would have been fine. Right. But I wanted more. Guess what? There was a path. There was a clear path for me to want more. And there's never not been 
a door that has kept me from from growing. It's like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's go ahead and create it for you. Like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's go ahead and do. So I think in all of those different types of roles, the, the fact is, is that I wake up every day excited. So that's the one thing. I don't know how many people can honestly say that they wake up every morning excited. I wake up every morning real excited to just have another day to play it forward, to push someone beyond their their boundaries, right? And waiting for that other person on the other line or the other Zoom to have that aha that I had 10 years ago. Like it's just something that I'm consistently chasing after. Wow. Is that a learned mindset or is that inherent to you? I think it's both. It's something that I, I personally had to learn how people learn, how all people are different. You can't mm. expect, you know, people to learn the same way. So there's been lots of different Maxwell, Jocko, different mm. kinds of things that I've had to incorporate in myself. And yeah. then it's something inherent. Like I've always been one just with regards to in my family unit of yeah. we've always played it forward. Ah, a little bit of family culture coming in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You've had the opportunity to coach and train other brokerages and teams. You could see that they're not doing it the same way that you guys are probably most of the time. What are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing in team leaders that if they just made these switches, they would take off like you guys have? I think mistake number one is they take their eyes off of the agents. Like they, they, they may give the skill or the training or the coaching one time. And then they go off into their own, into their own world, or they're also doing their own productions at the same time. Yeah. So the mistake number one is they take the eyes off of the very individuals that are leaning on them for support and yeah. help. The second, the second uh, mistake that they make is a lot of people, unfortunately, do not know how to hold people accountable. And that also is something learned. I've seen all different types of agents. I've seen all different kinds of sales managers. And that's the one struggle. There's very few people, in my opinion, that can learn how to hold someone accountable and make them want it. The third mistake that happens is not creating a culture where people want to be at, like with all the hard work of doing this, right? If you're building an infrastructure with leads, you're building an infrastructure with tools and processes, but yet no one's in the office. What's the point? Totally. hundred percent. And that's where you feel the culture. Yeah. And, and I think mistake number four is sometimes people get into leadership or want to have a team when they themselves have not proven themselves just yet. Like they're mm. right there. They're not yet ready. And they go from being a top producing agent thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to just go have a team. And then they're not meant to be a leader at yeah. all. And I think that's mistake number four. When I got into team leadership, like I, I felt the difference right away and I was still producing and like, you can kind of feel like you're divided. Do you mm -hmm. feel like were Chris and Bradley in production at all when you were in, or did they step out first and then build the team? The way it worked is I think Bradley stepped out of production first as he yeah. was our, our, our team leader. Chris was very much about generating listing agent, uh, listing leads and yeah. out, you know, ham hammering the pavement. Um, and then they both transitioned out. Same thing yeah. with me. Like I still produce, but very minimally sphere. Like it, once you get in the leadership, you have to make a decision about, okay, are you going to continue producing 
and be yeah. the, your agent's competition? Or are you, are you going to slowly kind of let off the gas enough and trust that now you are in a different role where you're able to help work through them to get where you want? And I think um, in that regard, I think even as leaders, though, we still have to get our hands dirty. Like there, we still have to, we still have to make phone calls. We still have to like do different types of appointments to stay sharp and to understand how the, how, you know, the consumer has changed or not changed. Right. But I do think at some degree, you have to trust and have trust in the system that once you become a leader, then you have to step back a little bit and, and allow those others to, to, to go beyond where you've ever been. That's part of it. Yeah. What is your vision for yourself for the next 12 to 18 months? My vision for myself is I see a book written. Hmm. I see two to three coaching platforms out there. That's not only waters now it's now, um, for anybody who wants to partake in that. And I see at some point, I just know a stage is coming where we're going to get invited and we're going to be able to share our story to the masses about how amazing this little brokerage was in Austin, Texas, that became something, something out of, became something out of nothing. Gosh. That's what I see in the next 12 to 18 months. You are such an incredibly lovable person. Like I have so thoroughly Thank not just enjoyed guys. the knowledge, but like I can tell why you're so great at accountability. Right. Like, I mean, there's a drive to you, but there's also like, I want to work with you. You know, like there's, you have Let's that. Go. Yeah. Go. Awesome. Ah, oh, cool. So guys, if you're out there listening, like write down something, whether it's the model, which obviously she's a, a you know, equating 75% to if it's, if it's the process, the accountability, there's so many things that you can learn from this episode, write it down, share this episode and what you learn with somebody, you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom's acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day, before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 